0: Welcome to the cross Around Podcast. My name is Carlos Mills, and today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Dessert and Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 Blackstock World. Well, today, I have another special guest with me today. She helped publish my book um, and many others. Uh, thank you so much for that.
1: Absolutely. Yes, thank you ma'am. for having me.
0: So, she is the founder of On The Right Track Publishing. She's a publisher, book publisher and an author herself. Miss Brandy Hutt, how are you?
1: I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm
0: doing fine. Thank you for taking the time to sit with me. Absolutely. Um, I know we both had a lot going on. Yes. And I'm <laughs> glad we didn't have to reschedule because I know, if, like you were saying before we shot this interv- started this interview, if we didn't shoot it now, our right. schedule <laughs> was just, it was too much going it on. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, so let's get, go ahead and get it done now. But uh, just to give people a little bit of the backstory of how we actually met, I remember um, I was actually, this was right during the pandemic, where I had already started writing my book already. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty much done with the process, just had to put a few finishing touches on it. And it was right around the pandemic. So I went and posted it online. Um, I was like, does anybody know somebody who can help you publish a book? Mm-hmm. So people just started commenting on it and uh, being... Tag you in it. Yep. So Ben is my guy. Like Ben is one of those people. I tell all people all the time that he was one of the people that changed my life Mm -hmm. from the very first interview that we had. Our conversations. So it's like for me, anything that Ben recommends to me or tells me, that I take it to the bank. So, so when he recommended you, that was enough for me. So I went ahead, reached out to you, uh, gave you some feedback or some information on what Mm -hmm. I was doing, and uh, you made the transition. Easy for me I wrote the book Had everything done And sent it to you And let you take care of the rest And that was good enough for me I didn't want to do Nothing else to it um I was just that was that's all I wanted somebody who can help get the book out so I really appreciate you taking the time to you know do that for me.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. You know, you're not going to make me cry this early, now. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, it's always amazing to hear, you know, what you were doing before we connected. You know, I always remember that God put us here to be answers for other people just like, you know, podcasting, you know, is Taking you so many places, publishing—I didn't know it was going to take me so many places. And every time somebody tags me, I think, "Am I going to be able to do this?" Right. <laughs> and then y'all are going, "Yeah, you're the great, you're the greatest." I'm thinking, "I hope so." <laughs> but I'm so grateful for people like Ben, who you know will name drop with full confidence. And I'm I'm grateful that God has given me the ability to do so.
0: Absolutely. Before we get into your backstory as well, because I know. Um it's important for people to hear your story And how you became an entrepreneur And everybody's journey is going to be different mm-hmm. We actually did something together Back in October Where we were on a panel together yeah. And I asked uh, Miss Brittany about it When she was on as well um, Jared had his success As my pre Power mm-hmm. Conference So I want to thank you again For that because When all of you were up there All you entrepreneurs were on the panel together I tell everybody I know the word and the words of encouragement and advice that y'all would give was was for everybody in the room, mm-hmm. but I felt like every single word that y'all was speaking was oh. meant for me. I was like, man, I need to. I was like, I'm, I'm taking this to the right. bank right here, like <laughs> again, because it's like, man, the words were so powerful. Um, I really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people were saying they enjoyed the conference. Yeah. It was the first one that Jerry ever put together. Absolutely. Um, but for me, just looking back on it, it's hard to believe that was back in October, and this. How fast time is moving already. Right. But having time to, you know, sit back and finally reflect on it. What was your overall thoughts and experience um, um, on the success of my pre-conference?
1: Oh, man. My overall thoughts were, one, again, Ben connected you to me. Mm -hmm. You connected me to Jared. Mm -hmm. Jared... And I didn't get to I wanted Jared to speak at my conference and I think he had to either work or go out of town mm-hmm. and but we all we decided to just stay connected I met him at your book signing mm-hmm. and I think you told me he was the author yep and so I went on Amazon got this book which is called success is my mm-hmm. prey mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself this is amazing like and you don't hear many black men doing things like this like conferences bringing leaders together not that they're not doing it but we just don't hear a lot about it it's in, in the background so um, as soon as I read the book and I was like man you got a powerful story you got a powerful story mm-hmm. and It was probably a year later, he reaches out to me and says, hey, will you come and be on a panel um, at my conference? And I'm thinking, I know about you, but how do you know about me? Mm -hmm. And he had dug and talked to people and things like that. So I think my overall for the success is my prey. For one, it brought a lot of people together who probably wouldn't have known each other Mm -hmm. had he not. Um, Two, it did. The questions that you asked were very thought-provoking. They were very... You know, mindset shifting, and to bring a group of people together, especially in this day and age where people are trying to be creative and launch new businesses or stay the consistent course of having a business. I think my overall, it was it was a wonderful conference, but to see so many like-minded people come together, um, you know, and stick together. Because I, I, Brittany, I didn't know her, and it was like. A sister. It was like, right. you know, running into my sister and we laughed and talked and seeing Ben, Um, you know, still I swear Ben gotta be my number one fan. Anybody else, if you think you're my number one fan, <laughs> you're gonna have to beat Ben. <laughs> um, But even Ben's words to me, like much like you today, he said, looking at me a black woman in the upstate gave him the courage and gave him the the strength to finish and write his book, me. And I'm thinking me, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. God is like, yeah, you, and you're Ben though. Like you're, (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and so success is my prey, the empowerment of us joining forces. And there's no big eyes and little use it's, I see you just as powerful as you see me. And I think that's what I took away from it.
0: Absolutely. I, I remember when, when me and Jared, Sat down and did his interview. He did an interview on my podcast. This was back in probably, I think, at the end of 2020 or 2021. And he was telling me then at the time, he said, man, I'm thinking about, well, he said, I'm working on putting a conference together. And uh, I was like, man, that's cool. Definitely go for it. Didn't know anything else about it. Mm-hmm. I remember he reached out to me a while later and said, man, would you be the host of it? I said, man, I would be honored to, you know, <laughs> just let me know. I'll make sure I'm not traveling or anything so I can block those dates off. Right. Um, he put everything together. And I really commend him because it's easy for people to say, hey, I'm going to do something and work on this thing all day long, all day and night long. And then, you know, people talk about they'll do something, but they never really stick Absolutely. to their word. So, yeah. for him, I commend him for, you know, sticking to his word. And like Ben always tell me, man, life will always give you a reason to quit. Uh, right. And so <laughs> many things will come your way. And I know he's working. He has a family, right. you know, an un- entrepreneur. So he didn't let any of those things get in his way. Right. He still kept his word. And right. uh, he put that conference together, which was amazing. So I commend him for that. And he had, he kept me in the loop about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's working on it again. So, you know, me and him actually did a walkthrough. Uh, I think it was, was it early this week. It was last week mm-hmm. um, for the next one he's putting together now. But, you know, I always tell man, I appreciate you for giving me a platform. Right. To you know, and you kept your word and kept me involved in everything. Mm -hmm. So for somebody like that to you know stay true to their word and just want to empower other people and bring people together, um, I commend him for that. It takes a special type of person, you know, keep their word and bring a lot of people together.
1: Right. And and everybody looked so good. I mean, not you know, facially features too, but everybody was dressed. I'm talking about to the Mm -hmm. nines, suits, dresses. You know, just we showed up like the people we want to be respected as. And I always tell people, especially our people, you know, I think we get kind of lax and lazy sometimes when it comes to being casual. And I don't remember Jared telling anybody what the dress code was going to be. No. I don't, I, I didn't ask him. I didn't ask him the colors, but I could guess it. Uh, but I I didn't expect any less from anybody in that room mm-hmm. because I knew, about half of the people in the room. But I knew that these business owners don't come to play. And that's just one thing that I looked around the room and I thought, everybody looked like a million bucks. I'm talking yeah, about absolutely. like mm-hmm. red carpet ready. Mm-hmm. And that that was one yeah. amazing thing to look around. Even as I look back at the pictures, I'm like, man, we, was we, we was were sharp, We were sharp that day. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have no conversation about it. It was just a thing. It was like we just knew success is my prey sounds like you need to show up looking like your best self
0: absolutely like i said it was a, a truly a great uh event um, i appreciate it and like you say you know when he asked me to be the host i was like man i already knew i need to come come <laughs> in i gotta come clean right. <laughs> so i definitely made sure i was dressed up man i always even when i do my interviews now i I like to go in looking professional. I don't right. want people to think I'm just, you know, just doing this for fun. Right. Or like I, I take this series. I take my craft series all the time and mm-hmm. energy it takes to put these things together. I don't want to show up and interview a guest and just look in any kind of way. Right. Um, I want them to know that this is like a, it's truly a business. And I take their time serious because people don't have to take their time to sit with me anyway. Right. They take their time out to share their journey. So I want to let them know and the people who come to these different events, like, I, I, I appreciate them for coming out and, you know, taking time to do that, do what they're doing.
1: And we thank you. I mean, because without people like you that would give us a voice, a platform, it would be years probably before I could reach whoever is going to watch this. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I could type all the messages online and I could send out all the flyers, but it's just something about podcasts, blogs, you know, think. It goes places that we you know, Clubhouse, TikTok, it, it goes places that my feet may never tread first. Mm-hmm. Now if y'all see it and wanna invite me, right. <laughs> that's wonderful. But you know, I think that the gift of podcast, I don't know how long it's been around, but I know it's 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 taken off it's and off, yeah. it, it's people like you that say, Hey, I'll interview you. You know, hey, let's sit down and talk about what it is that you do, who you are, who you're looking for, and it, it's really been my greatest blessing because somebody will say, "Hey, I saw you on a podcast," or "Hey, I heard you on a podcast," or you know, and it it takes me places that I've never been. I think the first year of the pandemic, I spoke on a Zoom call about publishing in Dubai. Oh man. Yeah, um, and I don't even know how she found me. <laughs> she just messaged me. She messaged me on Instagram and said, "Hey, I see that you do publishing in the in the United States. Would you like to come on our International Publishers um event?" And I'm thinking, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <amazing>. I would. <laughs> so absolutely.
0: And that's the thing about it, you know, when you're doing something powerful and positive, you never know who's watching. Right. Like I have people now that I don't even know. They'll reach out to me and say, "Hey, man, I appreciate what you're doing." Um you were in, you inspired me to go after my dreams or what I want to do in life, and I'm like, man, I appreciate that because for somebody that I don't even know to like give me those kind of words of encouragement, even when I'm going through things of my own that they don't even know about mm-hmm. that lets me know that I'm doing the, the right thing and doing what I'm supposed to do you know? and it's all about inspiring people and helping them elevate and do what they want to do in life as well
1: absolutely,
0: so let's get a little bit into your story now um like I said, people know you're a publisher. You you published my book. You're an author. Um but we want to get a little bit more to your story. So if you had to use 3 to 5 words to describe yourself, what words would you use to describe Brandy? Ooh,
1: like? So we did not practice this. So let's see. <laughs> what five five words? 3, three to words. 5. 3 words, okay. Yeah. I would say enthusiastic, determined, productive. And, gosh, um, exceptional. I always try to deliver in an excellence and committed.
0: I love those words. Right there already. Are you? So I know we're talking before we started. You say you were born and raised in. Well, not born here.
1: Yes, I was born here. Boy. I moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina. My okay. dad was in the Army. And then we moved back here in like the early 90s, like 92.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how would you describe like your childhood growing up?
1: Which part? <laughs> you break it down. Okay. <laughs> so, my childhood was military, uh, mm-hmm. which was up until I was about 10, 11. Um, my mom, my dad, I have an older sister and a younger brother, middle child. <laughs> And I gotta know why I'm so crazy, um and so it was quiet until nineteen ninety
0: three Mhm what kind of things would you say you were kind of like into growing up like was it uh,
1: oh baby sports? dolls, uh gymnastics, cheerleading, mm-hmm. dancing, I'm super girly girl. I'm still that way to this day. um I love sports. But only for the fact that they had a gym floor that I could go flip on. <laughs> yeah. So I like basketball. Um, but as a kid I really liked baby dolls, uh, girly things, you know, high heel shoes, stuff like that.
0: Did you see anyone around you, you know, growing up that made you like gravitate towards like reading and writing that, that kinda like persuaded your career?
1: So the funny story behind why I'm a writer but I didn't know I was going to be a writer, and English is like my my first language, <laughs> and second and third language. Um, but when I was younger, punishment for me was read the encyclopedia and the dictionary. I didn't get whoopings. I didn't get anything like that. My brother and sister are still jealous to this day <laughs> because my dad was in the military and he was like, i do not. I don't want to hit you because. He's gonna hit me too hard And so And my mom was too so softy and So mm-hmm. She'd be like Go to your daddy And my daddy would be like Go read the dictionary And I'm like uh, If if you're under You know um, 25-ish You may not know That there used to be A whole set Of dictionaries And encyclopedias There were 24 of them Did you know that? I didn't know They're called Britannica And the people used to Come around and sell them Just like they do The vacuum cleaners And so There was a whole 24 set Of 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 like six sets and so I would have to go and read on different topics and learn different words and people still pick on me to this day and they're like Mm. you use big words I don't even do it on purpose y'all I promise I don't (laughs) it's just in there but that's what led me to my love of reading and and learning new things and I used to win like um poetry contests in school and um I just have always loved it and I think as I got older my granddad is a Uh, pastor and so I would go to you know everybody kind of got a bookshelf like the one behind me and I would gravitate to like more self-help books than fiction books and I would be like looking for about God like learning about God and stuff like that and I think that's just what led me to the love of reading and Mm -hmm. and writing.
0: Did you know what you Kind of wanted to be growing up. I know you were interested in reading and writing, but did you know at that time, like what you actually wanted to be?
1: A Dallas Cowgirl. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny, isn't it? Yeah. So I wanted to be a Dallas Cowgirl and I wanted to go to the Army. That was what I, by the time I graduated high school, I wanted to be a cheerleader. And a military police. Now, don't ask me how that was going to happen. Those were just the two things I wanted to do.
0: (laughs) Did seeing your father, you know, being in the military, is that kind of what persuaded you as well? Yes,
1: and which I'm sure we'll get into it, but I no longer had my father by the time I got to high school. And so it was kind of my passion to follow in his footsteps. He wasn't a military police, but he was a in the army, and he was good at what he did, and I, I, just always wanted to seek justice, and I felt like being a police officer would do that, and I want to do it in the military because, heck of benefits. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. right. Who would you say was were were your mentors growing? Which is your father? Do you have any other anybody else that were kind of like your mentors growing? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. My mom kept us in church, mm-hmm. and I know church kind of gets a bad rap sometimes, um, that there was no therapy, you know, talks in the 80s and 90s but you know there were a lot of sunday school lessons that can be heavily applied to these days but um once we didn't have our father anymore the men of the church would stop by and check on us the women of the church would check on us and uh there was this one gentleman who still to this day will tap in and be like hey you doing okay are you on the right track (laughs) for yourself you know stuff like that and um so yes i had a mentor um and as I got older, you know, started having life issues. Um one of my aunts are and my uncles like my family's very close, so mm-hmm. they always had advice for me. So yes, I've always had a mentor somewhere along the way.
0: So I know you mentioned losing your father. You were in high school, correct?
1: Yes. I just got to high school. You just
0: got to high school. Did that kind of like derail you in any type of way? How, how yes how did you handle that?
1: Um I didn't. I slept in school every day. Mm. And I don't know how I passed. Um, You know, looking back, and even when people are like, you know, like how you say, you know, how did you know writing? I didn't. I didn't know anything about my future except, God, please just don't let me die today. Um, Mm -hmm. My teachers would be like, you can't sleep in school every day. And I'm thinking... I can't stay awake every day. It was almost like it was so heavy, the grief of mm-hmm. it all. And, I, like, again, in the 90s, there was no heavy talk about grief and therapy and stuff like that. You go to church, you get enough Jesus to keep going to the next day. And I think I was just overwhelmed with life. Um, and so I barely skated out of high school with um, C's and D's.
0: You know, I, I wonder, like, that's that's got to be so tough because in that type of situation, like, what do you tell somebody? It's not—it's not, it's nothing you can really tell somebody when they're grieving a loss of a loved one, and it's like you can't tell them to just get over. it. I mean, it's—it's it's just something that you have to—you'll never forget them. It's like you just have to learn—have to learn how to like deal with that, right? With that loss. Um, but but as a child, like, what do you tell somebody in that type of situation? Like, how did you get through it? You know.
1: So what I could say is, if I could go back and talk to the version of me that was broken, I would say, it's going to be okay. Because in my mind, it was not okay. And I remember saying the words, God, you could just put me in the ground with him. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, I just felt like life was not going to continue. Um, and that My father died on the day before Father's Day. I don't think there's a worse Mm. than on Father's Day. (laughs) And so um, the day before Father's Day at 13 years old, this is is the life that I was faced with. And six months later, his mom died of a broken heart. Mm. So every night I thought, I'm going to be so sad that God's going to kill me. Because my heart is broken, too. And his mom's heart was broken. So you're talking about the mind of a 13-year-old thinking every night... I stayed up all night thinking, I don't want to die because I miss my daddy. Mm -hmm. So if I could go back, I would definitely... um, Therapy. Uh, I'm in behavioral health therapy uh, to get a degree now. Mm-hmm. And because of that reason, I, I want to help kids um, and adults, but, you know, work through the grieving process. A lot of the grievous, grieving process is connected to your nervous system. It's less about thoughts because thoughts come and go. We know mm-hmm. memories and things like that. But you're, uh, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And your body can remember something and your mind has already kind of move past it and you'll hear a song or you'll smell something and then you'll be like oh I remember the thing and, and you'll instantly like feel attached to it that's because your body remembers what you were doing at the time and so you have to go back and alter your actual nervous system so when I stood at my father's casket and said you, you could just put me in the ground my body remembered that and it was attempting to shut down and so what God had me do when I wrote the book, and I know we wasn't that far, but it won't make sense mm. if I don't say it all at the same time. <laughs> so nice what God had me do was to go back to my father's grave and take, my, take those words back and start speaking positive words mm. and, and speak that though he's not in this body, that he's somewhere and that he still loves me and that his absence doesn't mean that I have to quit. And so I think a lot of times is if you leave me, even in the natural, that something in me is, is, is missing pieces. Mm-hmm. And so you feel broken and you feel like I can't keep going because, Carlos, you were always supposed to be there. And God's like, no, you're a whole person all by yourself. You can do this all by yourself. And as a child, you don't think that. And so even, you know, my mom, I can imagine what, this was her husband. This was just, this is my Mm -hmm. dad, but this is your husband. I'm sure that she was just as broken and just as grieving. So she couldn't give us an olive branch. It was nothing she could say because she was just as heartbroken. So if I could go back, I would go back to the place where you initially felt that tear and that pull and speak life into yourself because... That other person is not coming back Mm -hmm. Um, You're the one that's going to feel that So go back and filter And feel positive emotions So that you can connect it um, and, no, like you said, you, you have to learn how to process through it, but you have to process through it with positivity and not more. Ne- they're negative and negative just equals negative. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's what I would tell younger people, older people grieve just as bad. Um, but that's what I would tell my younger self, that it's going to be okay.
0: I got two questions about, you know, you know, dealing with the loss of your father. The first one, who would you say, was it anybody that was kind of like doing it, traumatic time was like the the rock to y'all to your family they kind of kept everybody together even though it was a tough time
1: you know our, we have a very very huge family which you know over time it has the numbers have gone down um however as far as you know people passing away but i can't say that it was one particular individual but i can say we band together tighter like Make sure this person is okay Don't let them go too many days You know, without calling Or, you know, reaching out And I think, you know People always say, you know, check on your strong friend mm-hmm. i think we should check on everybody That's who god has connected i can't check on everybody but even like sometimes you'll tap in and be like hey just checking on you mm-hmm. want to see if you are right. if god puts somebody on your heart do that do just that hey i just want to see if you're doing okay and go about your life you might not have a long conversation but one hello could save you save that person um you know hey i was just checking on you make sure you're all right um is there anything I could do? If it's within your wheelhouse or if it's something you could do, then do it. If it's not, tell them, hey, I can find you some references. But I think when we check on only the strong people, the people who don't speak up or don't appear to be the strong friend, get left by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, even stuff like when I got injured, I needed somebody to come wash my dishes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was. It seemed like it's so simple, but I couldn't even stand at my own sink um, because mm-hmm. I had messed my hip up. And so and that's as a grown-up. <laughs> uh-huh. And so sometimes what we think isn't a big thing for somebody, especially somebody going through a grieving process, um, is very big. Uh, you know, I told you I lost my sister last year. Mm-hmm. So people would, you know, hey, do you, do you need food? Do you need a DoorDash sent to you? Do you need me to bring it to you? While it might seem very small, it saved me from having to go in the kitchen, cook, cry my eyes out while I'm trying to cook, you know, so the smallest things. So to answer your question, I think our whole family just understood, this is just a time we gotta put our differences, whatever they might be to the side. Again, I was a kid, but I, you can see, you know, the adults just come together, even the church, especially. And I think the church still does this, bring food, Mm -hmm. cards, money, you know, whatever the case may be. And they really did support us a a big, big, big time.
0: Mm. And then I want to ask you, I know you said, you know, God sent you back to your father's grave mm-hmm. to take those words back. Mm-hmm. Speak about, you know, the power of your words, because like you said, it's life and death and the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. Can you speak about and let people understand like the power, just how powerful the words that you speak really are?
1: Absolutely. If for the next seven days I call you and I tell you that you are the worst person I've ever met in my entire life and just hang up by the eighth day, you'll believe it. That's because our brain is wired to hear, we hear, we can see, and all of our senses, they work together. So if for seven days, constantly, you hear, I hate you, you're just coming to earth, (laughs) on the eighth day, your brain will say, she must be right, because you never did anything to counteract it. Mm -hmm. They used to tell us the mind is a battlefield, There's a Joyce Meyer wrote a book called the The battlefield of the mind. I believe it's called. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand that until when I got older, when you can have a positive thought, you know, it's going to be a great day. We wake up in the morning. Hopefully you tell yourself it's Mm going to be a great day. Mm -hmm. And the first obstacle that comes, we go, Oh, you just ruined my day.
0: People were, that's true. And I'm thinking what
1: happened to the first, It's because you really didn't believe it, but this is how you change your thoughts. You speak it, you hear it, you see it. So you write it down and then you speak it. When you speak it, you hear it. So it's a constant cycle, it's a a constant circle. You're either looking at something positive, you're either hearing something positive or you're either seeing something positive. That doesn't eliminate the obstacles. It just means that when the obstacle comes, it's not gonna make me feel like I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. Because I've already strengthened myself in that area. Um, I remember when I was younger, People used to say mean things to me. I'll just say that. I know. How could you say mean things to this (laughs) face? And I would believe it because sometimes if it's loud enough and if it's consistent enough, you believe it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's you're fat, you're ugly, you're short. There's nothing I can do about being short. I'm five foot tall, <laughs> five three with shoes on. But that started to bother me because it would be so loud and aggressive and, um, you know, well, you're short, so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're fat or you're brown, you're, you're black, whatever the, the, you just begin to be like, you know what? Maybe, well, maybe they are, but why is that your problem? <laughs> Why is what they have to say about you your problem? Um and I think that our society now is way so social media has really done a number.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: we have to almost consistently remind ourselves that nothing is wrong with me. I am who I am. I'm always evolving, I'm always growing. And if you're not, that is a personal problem. My my refusal to grow doesn't do anything to you. Except that you wouldn't have got a book published <laughs> yeah. but you would have got it published it just would have once was it would have been with someone else because God's not going to stop your growth because I'm not growing now I will tell people somebody's waiting on you but God ain't gonna make them wait forever if you have said you know what I'm not doing up with the podcast I'm not doing that God would have said okay and he'd have gave the vision to someone else. else and you'd have went well, i God, God had told me to Happens all the time. People are like, I had that dream. I had that vision. And then all of a sudden you see it pop up somewhere and you're like, God, you gave away. No, you waited. You waited too long. You sat on it too long. And God's not going to stifle your growth because I won't grow. Now, if we're together, we're in a relationship, it makes it harder because (laughs) if you're growing and you're outgrowing me, I have one option. (laughs) I can. Grow with you, or we could grow apart. apart and that happens all the time that happens in business um I have people that want to still publish with me, and I regrettably have to tell them I'm not there anymore now I am there, but it's gonna be a different process mm-hmm. um and so at the end of the day, I think that growth and speaking positive is is partly mindset, it's partly getting around the right people and Putting your hand to something that matches what you're saying. I can't constantly say I want to lose weight and keep showing up at Krispy Kreme. All right. You, That's true. you either yeah. need counseling, therapy, <laughs> or good talking to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes you could just talk apart. You'd be like, you know what, guys said you was gonna go to the gym and you did go to the gym, but only once a day. I mean once a week, and then you had to stop by Krispy Kreme four times a week. You have to find some kind of balance. And I think at the end of the day, no one's. they used to tell me, no one's coming to save you. And that's a true statement. Mm-hmm. I probably, men found that out way faster than we did. Because we really did think someone was coming to save us. <laughs> um But at the end of the day, even with husbands, you know, finding their wives, they don't want to feel like a savior, though. Like, you want to at least feel like somebody's growing mm-hmm. with you. You don't want to feel like you... Constantly gotta pull somebody's coat to you Gotta constantly pull them. That is a hard life to live. Mm-hmm. Even with my own child, she gets mad at me. She's like, "Well, can you do it?" No, you are strong enough. You are able enough to stand on your own two feet. I will help you, but there's something about empowering somebody to do it themselves. But it starts with the mind, the mouth, and the mission. Mm-hmm. The mind, the mouth, and the mission will get you there. Speak it, say it. And write down your mission, even if it's just for that day. Some some days are not the greatest, especially since I hurt my hip. And all I can do is manage to get out the bed, <laughs> take a shower, get to my computer, and edit a book, and go back to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all I got to do for that day. And it's frustrating because I used to get to do a lot of things. Run. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And God put me in a season where I had to slow all the way down. <laughs> I did not... The conference was probably the first time I had went out all year last year. Really, other other uh-huh. than working, but mm-hmm. like to actually see people and be out and and networking and stuff. I've been at the house. I was mm-hmm. so devastated, but I I decided not to let it weigh me down. Um, I and and I think a lot of people can't grow past that frustration of well I don't want to be here. Well, guess what. You might be there for a reason. Mm -hmm. God may be trying to do something in your life. And I think a lot of our feeling of failure isn't really failure. I think God just tries to put us somewhere so he can say something to us and get us on the right track.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And that was powerful right there. I want to ask you, you know, again about your story. So after you you lost your father Mm -hmm. and you you graduated high school, Mm -hmm. what what was like the next steps after that? Was it immediately trying to figure out, going to work or college or what was like right after?
1: Well, the, the big picture was I was going to graduate from high school, go to Dallas Cow Girls Cheerleading Camp and after I finished that, I was going to go to um, basic training. So, the but it was backwards so I had to go to get, I went to MEPS, which is You you do all the testing. Um, You make sure you're physically fit. I think I had to lose three pounds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And imagine at 130 pounds being told you need to lose three. I'd rather go back to that (laughs) 130 right now. And so I had to lose like three pounds. Lost the three pounds. Took my test. Qualified to be a military police. Boom. So I got that done. Then I scheduled to fly out. I didn't buy my ticket. I just found the next class that was going to be after I graduated. The December that I was supposed to graduate, I fell and busted my knee cheerleading. Oh, man. And my all my dreams were shattered. I couldn't go to the military. I couldn't go to cheerleading camp. I couldn't do nothing. And I just felt like God hated me. I said, God, you hate me because you knew this is what I, the only thing. I only was chasing happiness. My father dying was... It, it numbed me inside, and I became a cheerleader because, well, I was a cheerleader. I was a little girl, too, but I hadn't cheered in years. And in the 10th grade, my best friend at the time, she said, just be a cheerleader. Like, you're pretty. You can go out to all the games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll have fun. And I was like, listen, I went to a predominantly white school. I didn't think they was going to choose me, honestly. Um, as pretty as I was, mm-hmm. I was like, they probably don't want me. But she was like, try out anyway. And she gave me, like, all the things to do. So I go and try out, and I got it. Well, lo and behold, it did. It, it sends you lots of energy, a rush, you know, and that feeling of sadness left. So you're talking about two years in. And I, oh, and I couldn't do it unless I changed my grade. I had all F's in the ninth grade. And that was because I slept in school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my mom was like, listen, you can do it, but you have to have A's and B's. Now, the school didn't require that. My mama required that. Because she was for one time. Remember I told you that my my daddy wouldn't put his hands on me? Well, my mama was ready at the school when they called her up there. Um, Miss Hunt, um, Brandy sleeps in class, all the classes. She drugged me out of school that day. (laughs) And so she said, I'll make a deal with you. You get A's and B's in this next semester. um. In the, the, the ninth grade, I think I, it was the first part of ninth grade, that 10th grade semester, I got to cheer, to cheer and I cheered from 10th to 12th grade, and then I busted my knee doing a toe touch at practice, wiped me out, wiped my dreams out, and I never dreamed again for a very long time, oh. because I felt like God, every time I loved something, He took it from me. Mm. And... I internalized that statement. I say that with passion because it remembered the grave. So now I have a new statement. Everything I love leaves me. And I kept saying that and it kept happening. I would mm. fall in love with people. And I would try to not tell them I love them because in my mind, what did I think? Everything me. I love leaves me. I told them don't buy me no flowers because flowers die and my daddy died. My mind was so hurt. I'm saying my mind, my heart, I was so grieved by this that I ha- I was spewing all kinds of stuff. Now people that know that, um, but I remember saying it and God saying, Stop saying that. That's not what's happening. And I'm like, now again, the older you get, the closer you get to God, the more you're here. Don't do that. <laughs> this is me, this ain't me. But the whole process of um, you know, coming out of my injury, So when I got my knee busted. I was going to go to South Carolina State if I did not make the Dallas Cowgirls and still go to the military after I finished college. Well, my only reason for going there was to cheer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I can't cheer. Now, in the back of my mind, I probably could have, like, once I healed and went the next year. But I didn't have anybody giving me direction like that. Like, my mom was too hurt herself. Like, I don't place no blame on anybody they were all grieving and and I think by then by the time I graduated high school more family members had passed away life is happening right mm-hmm. and so I just went to Granville Tech I, I went to psychology school I went to school for psychology and I didn't sleep but I failed and I felt like a failure it was like I couldn't get the concepts and psychology sounded like a good idea but these are some really big, were bigger than the words that I knew, and now I got a baby on the way. I had moved out from my mom's house, to be an adult, and then a year into being an adult, did too much adulting, <laughs> <laughs> and now we got a baby on the way mm-hmm. at twenty.
0: Uh, I know about it. well, I went twenty, I was twenty-two, but yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Don't do it, friends. <laughs> yeah. I love my baby, and she know I do, but I surely would have done it at thirty. But then I thought, I think back to like how we are now like i'm forty two she's twenty two and I don't think I'd change it um mm-hmm. it was very, it's like I had to raise her and me and and live, but now I'm like if I'd had a baby at thirty, you'd only be twelve, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would not I'm tired um so yeah, that's so that pretty much started my life with what do I do after high school? I just went to work at a local call center, and i Went to Grimble Tech, and then I dropped out a year later.
0: Did you feel like that was another one of those moments when you ended up being pregnant? It was kind of like you felt like that was the end again. Like you said, you lost your father, then you shattered your knee. Yes. And then you ended up pregnant. Did you feel like that was another one of those moments?
1: Yes, it was punishment. Um, I didn't... And I always try to explain this so it doesn't sound like I'm a horrible person, but you have to just understand where I was at the time. Um, I didn't know her. Uh, and and in the book, I talk and I've talked to my daughter about it. I've talked to everybody about I didn't know her as a person. So when I make these statements, they sound very cold, but I didn't want a baby. I didn't even know how to take care of myself. And but her dad wanted the baby. Now, granted, I could have just had a baby and gave it to him, right? Mm-hmm. But then by the time she got here, I wanted her. <laughs> right. I didn't, but I didn't have the motherly feeling. So that's the, the, when I make that statement, people go, well, how not? You were a mother. I didn't have the nurturing feeling. Do you know why I didn't have it? Because I had so much grief mm-hmm. compiled on top of it. My body was numb. So there was no um, getting close to things gave me anxiety. It would be the equivalent of me getting close to this microphone and thinking this microphone was going to set on fire. So as soon as I got to it, I'd be like, nope. Mm. Nope. So when you see people like pushing people away, are you like, you know what? Why, why you don't never hug nobody? Because they could hurt me. And if I fall into this embrace and they try to stab me, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, and that's the mentality of somebody who is... Heavily broken, but don't know they broken. Mm-hmm. And so I was really mean. I was really aggressive. I was really angry um, I was just I was standoffish and I know when pe- people are like you like the the, the social butterfly Because God will do a thing without your permission <laughs> He'll send you to a church where hugging your neighbor is the thing. I used to be devastated at hug your neighbor part what? I don't <laughs> I don't want to and then I had to realize why don't you want to? well I, I don't really know like you don't even know the person beside it. give it a chance and so that's kind of how that happened i ended up going to a, ch- a local church where like during offering it was like you know tell your neighbor hey give your neighborhood this is pre pre-covid right. um and i really like broke down and one of the people's like embrace like i started crying and i was like this is crazy mm. <laughs> why am i crying it's it's just a hug. But God later pretty much revealed to me that I was afraid of the vulnerability part because I always had to be so strong. I always had to be so put together. I always had to figure things out on my own because I started out as a young mother. Um if I if I don't have any answers, then I look I'm looked at to be weak and frail and and who wants to be that, right? Right. But not me. <laughs> and so Yes. So having a child just added on to my misery because I didn't see it as a gift. I saw it as a curse until God came. Just like I had to go to the grave, I had to go to my child. I had to go to God first, but I also had to go within my own heart and say, your child was a gift because being a young mother, and I don't know about this generation now. I think it's more welcome, but this is 2000. So having a baby out of wedlock in 2000 was not a good thing. Mm -hmm. It was heavily frowned upon, and I was afraid that I would be shunned out of the church because I was pregnant without a ring, without a husband. And so I looked at it as punishment. You know, God, why would you allow this to happen to me when I didn't want a baby? He did, and I could have done everything to get rid of the baby, I'm just being very honest. But it was too late. I didn't even find out until I was almost five months. <laughs> oh wow. I tried to keep telling them though, but they didn't believe me. And so I had to go to doctors and after doctor, after doctor, and I kept telling them, y'all not doing this right, but I'm pregnant. And they were like, no, your tests are coming up negative. They ended up doing a blood test. Cause they were like, okay, this is the fourth time. I had four tests. And the fourth time is when they said, okay, you're pregnant. And I was like, okay, so how far along? And when they gave me, it was no way I could have an abortion. I I was out Mm -hmm. of the window. And so I always tell her, God intended for you to be here. Because if it was up to me, I had already decided I'm not a good enough person to be someone's mom. It had nothing to do with wanting to have a baby. I didn't think I was a good person. And Mm -hmm. I'm like you are gonna come into this world I'm gonna be mean to you because people always tell me you're mean you're nasty you're aggressive who wants to be a mom who wants someone like that to be their mom right. but I wasn't I was hurting and I didn't know how to express that to anyone and it came out that way does that make sense mm-hmm. so Absolutely. as she grew and I grew and and we we talk about this now to this day she's be like Used to be so mean, <laughs> but it, and and but I had n- mean moments. Like I said that wasn't like every day, but you know she'd be like, "Can I sleep with you tonight?" Why? You have your own bed, like. And I hear moms be like, "Yeah, come on, the kids can sleep. No, this is your bed is down right. <laughs> there, so you know just little things like that. That God would be like, "No, but she can sleep in the bed with she can." Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> so it it was really hard for me to uh, be affectionate because. It's like my heart was so cold, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I want to ask you, so, you know, losing your father, uh, shattering your knee, and you mm-hmm. ended up being pregnant. How how did the writing come about, and then did that help you, you know, kind of overcome some of the things that you were dealing with?
1: So, by the time I actually wrote the book, so let, let me scroll back a little bit. The book is titled, Dealing with the Hand I Was Dealt. So that tells you, right? that's your first book. That's my very first book. Okay. It's called Dealing with the Hand I Was Dealt. I was driving down a road here in Greenville, South Carolina, and I heard the title. And I'm, a, I'm also an actress, which we had talked about. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the title to a play or a movie or something that I was going to write. I put it on the shelf. And 10 years later, yeah, about 10 years later, I'm now 32. And I'm in, I'm, I was asleep and i had a dream that i woke up in a library and it was like the library of congress and which means it has millions of books in it and i said whose books are these and i heard a voice say they're yours and i was like oh i must be a millionaire like it's just a lot of books right. in here and when i woke up i said it audibly again i was like who whose books were those and i heard a voice say they're yours you wrote them what I'm not not an author, like I'm not a writer, I'm a writer, but not like that, you know how much patience it takes to write a book, and what am I going to write about anyway, so I didn't, I I put it on the shelf with every other thought I had, and I went to a dance conference, I was a praise dancer, Um, and so the lady was having um, her workshop portion, and she had a book about praise dancing, and and I was going to ask her how she got it done, and she said, Well, I'm actually doing a workshop coming up the next. And I'm like a workshop like for authors. And she's like, yeah. So she hands me this flyer and she's like, yeah, i got this workshop coming up. And so it was an eight month workshop and she pretty much told how to do the process and everything. And so I was like, this got to be a no brainer because it was only like a month later after I had the dream. Mm -hmm. But what am I going to write about? Well, that title came back to me. And I was like, "No, what? What dealing with the hand? I was oh, that sounds sad. Like, <laughs> what am I going to talk about? And when God showed me like the timeline of events, my father passing away, how it happened, um, rape, molestation, having a baby um, at twenty, uh, busting my knee, not 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 getting my dreams, I'm getting married, getting a divorce. Go read the book. It's all the fun stuff is in there, and just." Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, I thought God hated me, and I said, "This this is can't be what you want me to tell people." But what what you want me to say? I made it out. He said, "Yes, tell them that you made it out." And after you made it out, what do you do when you make it out? How do you make it out? And I'm thinking, but why do people need to know this? He said, "Because there's millions of women out here in domestic." Because I ended up in a domestic violence marriage and in a domestic violence shelter and in the shelter god speaks to me and says you're going to tell your story across the world well where's this podcast going across the world world. and every time i'm on a podcast tv anything i and that was in 2010 or 11. um and i think god You told me I would go, and I didn't even know what story he was talking about. He's like, you're going to go around the world and minister to women who are hurting like you used to hurt. I'm still hurting God, but God speaks in as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. And so leaving the domestic violence shelter, again, go read the book for the juicy details. Mm -hmm. But leaving the shelter, God showed me that I'm coming out of something, but I'm also going into something. And what is it that you want to go into? It's always a question. When we leave, when you leave this season that you're in, where are you going? What did you learn in your last season that God was preparing you for to go into your next season? So the book came about um, in a a very strategic way. Uh, When he gave me the title, this lady had told me to clean out my closet. And as I was cleaning out my closet, now that doesn't sound like a great prophecy. I know, but that's what she said. Mm -hmm. She said, God said, clean out your closet. So I cleaned out my closet. And as I was cleaning out my closet, I started getting frustrated with the things I was finding. Pictures, um, old gifts from old boyfriends. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with this stuff. This needs to go in the garbage. And God said, you're right. All of it needs to go in the garbage. And you're going to have to deal with the hand that you've been dealt. And it dropped back on me that he had gave me that. 10 Mm. years prior and I said okay so he gave me the timeline and again I don't know God really put all of my stuff together from the cards like every chapter is a card um and, we, and I talk about poker face, about how people try to act like they got it all together. Like we mm-hmm. talked about our life off camera, like how we, how we really doing, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'll never fake it uh, because it is, it is, I'm 42 now, but I used to fake it all the time. Oh, good. Blessed, and highly favored of the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, flying on the cloud. Nothing's wrong. Let me tell you, there's a thousand things wrong. <laughs> One thousand. However there is nothing that I can't overcome. And mm-hmm. I think that's the missing piece. No, I'm not okay. No, I'm not about to fall on the floor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm on a level playing field, but I hurt. I have pain. I have disappointment. I have things that are not going my way. But that doesn't mean that I'm not okay. That just means that it's not going in the direction I want it to go in, but I think God does that on purpose sometimes. We're just not supposed to be in control.
0: Absolutely. When, when you writing your book and then you go back and you reflect on a lot of the stories and the things that you went through um how was it hard for you to kind of like relive some of those moments because i was just telling my friends uh when i even when i wrote my book it was like kind of you know just think about some of the stuff that i did when i was younger it was Mm -hmm. painful but I didn't actually read my book until the first time until uh, a couple of weeks ago since really? it was released. Yeah, that was the first time I yep. actually uh, read, went back and read it for the first time. And they was like, "Man, how come you ain't read?" it? I was like, "Man, it was just the stuff that I wrote about and went through. A lot of some of the stuff was just painful. Right. And it was like at the time I really wasn't ready to like relive. Of course, I know what happened because right. it's me. But it was like, man, I. I, at the time, I just wasn't ready to like relive some of those moments. Right. But some, when I read it, I laughed at some of it, and then of course, right. you know, I still you know hate some of the things that I did. But it's like mm-hmm. you live and you learn. Um, but it it makes you who you are. Um, but just thankful that God brought me through it. You Amen. Know, I'm, I'm thankful, so I can always. And I like I said, you just you just share your story so it can help other people because. A lot of people have you have a lot more common with people than you think right um a lot of people just don't express themselves in a book or just tell you at all but you a lot of people can relate to your story so for me you know it was important for me to share my story but you know just kind of like reliving some of those moments was kind of tough but for you how was it for you, you know, writing your story and kind of like reliving some of those experiences?
1: Well, I didn't read The Body Keeps the Score till last year. <laughs> mm. So I didn't know in those moments where I was feeling literal trauma run through my body. My heart was hurting. My arm would hurt. My foot would. And I would be like, what is what is this? <laughs> but because my body was reliving that pain. Um, I was at work trying to write one time. And I'm, I mean, I got tears. Sometimes I just just tears in my eyes. And a lot of the um, places are in Greenville, like the hospital we went to and stuff like that. And I have to revisit those places, you know, often for other things. Um, how do you address that mm-hmm. and keep going? And it's a lot of times people don't finish their book because of that. They'll be like, you know, what I got to this part that hurts really bad, and I just closed the book. Well, that's what my book is about: dealing with the hand I was dealt. Is not. Oh, I have this microphone. What can I do with it? Um, It's no, it's I have this microphone. Let me go back to the beginning, see where this stuff came from, and then use it for the future. I got to figure out what's in my hand. How did it get in my hand? Mm -hmm. And what's in it that I need to get rid of so I can keep going? What can I build off of? And so when, um, when I wrote my book and... I started to relive it because I didn't know that a lot of it was just connected to my nervous system and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Christmas was the hardest. I started in October. Yes, I started writing in October. And then when Christmas came, I was kind of like around the molestation rape part. And I was just... And I have been writing every day. So you're talking about the weight of grief really just showing back up in its fullest flesh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you feel it like it just happened. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking... This was not supposed to happen. But that's what, and I think that's the power of writing push through those moments because those tell the best stories. Like you being able to feel it all over again gives you a very authentic truth. I didn't have to go back and remember, well, how did I feel at 13? Because I felt it. I felt it that mm-hmm. moment. I felt myself at the, at the, um, Car wash when we found out what happened and my mom came and picked us up mm-hmm. I would I felt it when we were at the hospital and they said mr. Hunt is no longer with us I I felt all of those moments so I could write in transparency and Truth and I remember crying like every single day and I was like God this hurts really bad And he said it's okay make sure you finish because I'm gonna return your tears to you and I said God I don't want my tears back mm-hmm. you can have them and and you know, God is, is, I'm humored by God, but um, I'm sure God is humored by us. But he definitely has a sense yeah, of humor. Yeah. When a year, about a year after I um, released my book, the next year, a, a lady inboxed me and she said, you gave me enough strength to walk away from a domestic violence relationship. Thank you for telling your story. I cried all the way through. And then God reminded me, I told you I'll return your tears to you. Wow. And it's just stuff like that that helps me to keep going. Even like what you said today, you know, I don't ever know how I impacted people's life, if I impacted people's life, mm-hmm. the however I impacted it. Sometimes people don't... Um, stop to say thank you not that they're not thankful they're just busy mm-hmm. um, and so but I appreciate when people stop to say how it impacted them because it always comes at the right minute and her telling me that gave me I mean it was my first book I hadn't published a book I have I did this on faith and and faith alone, and that that I believe that God told me to do it, and for her to say, you know, she left the domestic violence relationship, which was the goal, like not my goal for her, but that was the goal is to get you to see yourself how God sees you and that you do have more than enough to finish this race because what I thought God hated me, he got me going through all of this garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to love nobody, not even myself. I was I was down bad. And for God to pick me all the way up, and when I hear my bio read or stuff like that, I don't be gloating in me. I be thinking, man, God has brought me from a mighty long way. Because mm-hmm. you had to see how messed up I was on the inside. On the outside, I don't think I've ever been just raggedy. <laughs> but on the inside, I was done.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to understand that. That's, that's why I love you know the books and, the, and like you said, the power of words and everything. Because... When you just, like, reflect back on your journey. Because, yeah. man, people don't understand. Like, I I just remember telling people, man, I was, when I first started out, I was just flat broke. Mm-hmm. And I had days where, you know, I didn't have any money. And I was just taking my laptop and I would just hop in the car with the cameras and didn't know what was going to yep. happen. I was, I was flat broke. But I just kept on going. It was days where I just wanted to hang my head and just... Right just cried, but I was mm-hmm. like, man, God, what are you, what are you trying to show me right. in in these moments right here? And I am ne- I remember saying, telling the story at, the, uh, at my book signing well, that day we um, went down to King Street, South Carolina, and interviewed Miss Sulani Hammond, and, and that day I had a, a phone bill or a car payment or something that I had to pay, and after that, I had already filled my tank up, drove three hours down to King Street, mm. and I was just like, man, God, is this it? Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Like, it's got to be more to to what I'm doing. And uh, paid that bill. And I had a probably about $30, $40 left for my name. And then uh, we shot the interview with her. She put us on her Facebook Live. She said they came out here, all the way out here to see us uh, in King Street, South Carolina. And that's the country, too. Yeah. King Street is definitely the country. And, uh, man, we shot that interview. Packed up. And on the way home, I remember, i never forget, she texted me. She said, hey. Uh, send me a cash app. I want to um, feed y'all or whatever. And um, so I sent her oh. my cash app, and she left a little note in the mess. And I went back and looked at it uh, a few weeks ago, and and it's still there. And it said she left $100, and it says I believe me.
1: Aww. And man,
0: I, I almost broke down crying in yeah. that moment right there because it's like, man, this is a complete stranger, right? And for her to tell me that she believes in me, right? And I was like, I know that's a sign from God that I'm on the right track and doing what I'm supposed to do because yep. I was like, man, I was like, I don't know how much longer I can, you know, hang Hold in here and, yeah. and keep on doing this, man, because you, you know it's like nobody sees your vision and understands what mm-hmm. you're what you're going through, what you're trying to build, right? And you know, then people tell you, man, you. You need to focus on this or, in the, or whatever it is in life. You know, like I said, like Ben used to always tell me, like, life will always give you a reason to quit. Right. And in those times like that, it's like, you know what, man? Because like you said, you if people tell you something over and over, then you might start maybe to believe it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, maybe I am like in over my head and maybe I need right. to just, you know, go get a job and just right. do the traditional thing that everybody else is doing. But it's like in those times right there, God just steps in and just shows you, man. Like, he can show up at any given time and just change your entire situation. Right. So, for me, it was like, you know, just reliving those moments and just having that faith. um, It's just so important. I just tell people, you know, just keep on going. Don't give up on whatever it is you're doing. Like, it's going to be those tough days. Very. It's going to be a (laughs) a lot of those days, but you still have to um, have faith and understand, you know, you're not alone on your journey at right. all. And so that's, and that's kind of leading into my next question that I was going to ask you. As an entrepreneur, how important is, and just as a person, as an individual in general, like how important is faith on your journey?
1: Oh my gosh. The most important. I mean, I, I was raised in church. Mm -hmm. Uh, my mom was a is a plays the piano so i feel like i was in my mother's womb listening to you know gospel music and worship music Mm -hmm. so church was not a afterthought for us we going and that's it there was no there's no i'm staying home and y'all could go and my brother my sister my father even after my father was gone my mama got us to church every sunday and as a child you don't understand faith because your parents give you everything. Exactly. <laughs> you're not believing yep. for anything. Mm-hmm. You're, you're gonna be provided. Your needs are gonna be provided. I think the first time I had to really dig into faith had to be when I had my baby. Because I was already living by myself. Now I got another human being to feed to feed and to love. And love requires a lot of faith. People don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, you want me to learn how to love a stranger. That's a husband, a wife, a child, people at work. This is a world full of strangers. It takes faith to finish these books because the same problems y'all have to uh, to go through as authors coming to me, I have to go through double the amount of attacks because the enemy does not want these books out there. And mm. if it was and I'm not bashing any other genre, but these are self help testimonies, people breaking generational curses, we going through hell. I hope it's okay that I say that. (laughs) But we're going through hell just to get these books out because we're changing lives. And anybody that's a life changer, just like your your title brought me all kind of problems. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, people will be inboxing me. I can't believe because I'm a Christian. I love the Lord and I love Carlos Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I love his story I love everything about his story do you not do do people not think I saw the title before I published it Mm I um I read all the way through it before I accepted it it doesn't have no garbage no junk in it and I do that for everybody but people were so hung up by the title that They had so many negative things to say about me Mm And I wasn't used to that I was used to people coddling me Telling me how great I was And this was God's way of Reminding me when we go against The grain It's going Mm -hmm. to be some What's the word I'm looking for it's gonna be some some people, some contention, mm-hmm. and that's okay too, because I was used to people pushing me and pushing me and pushing me, and you're doing great, and you're you're gonna be a great publisher and then Carlos comes along with this confrontational mm-hmm. <laughs> title, and it really made me. Feel more empowered to help people like you Tell your story Because somebody wouldn't take my book Because it was controversial That's the It was mm-hmm. controversial It had cards on the front And it was a Christian book Well, you know, back in the day You couldn't play cards in the church mm-hmm. <laughs> And so my faith really carries me through every day If I don't pray It, it ain't gonna be no day <laughs> yeah. It ain't gonna be no day That I don't look up to the sky and go First of all, thank you Because it could be worse. We could not be here. We could be in worse situations that we're in. And as I heard someone say yesterday, um, we grew up in a pandemic. (laughs) We knew how to eat limited food, beanie weenies. This is the Mm -hmm. easiest hard I've ever had to do. It's hard. Yes, my hip hurts. I can't move too fast. (laughs) I got challenges here and there. But I've been in business for eight years i haven't stopped at all i've I've had to slow down i've had to shift i've had to rearrange but my faith i gotta be the glue because i do want to quit let me say that (laughs) but god every time i say all right let's pack it up i'm shutting it down somebody inboxes me and says i've been sitting on my book for two years do you think you can help me i heard that You're the only one in the upstate that can help me. I'm not the only one, but I think that um, I'm the most reachable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to be the only one. Um, I was actually the first black woman in the upstate to have a publishing company. Oh, that's, you're talking place. about honorable like how do you quit that like how do you exactly. just be like yeah i know black history is made and i'm going to go to mm-hmm. do- i can't and my but my faith holds me together when it don't the money don't look like it's going to be right i have to convince people that this is a good investment to make mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you're like okay this is a good investment but the investment in yourself somebody's waiting for you to tell your story and i think you asked me did my book heal me yes And that's another reason I push people to tell their story. I don't care if five people buy your book. That book is for you first, because Mm -hmm. you believed that not going the traditional route of going through corporate America and doing the dream, the vision that God gave you would eventually pay off. Mm. Somebody else needs to hear that. Somebody else needs to not only hear it, because we're in this society that we want all the answers in those 175 pages. And then the answer just be right there. Mm-hmm. But, but the true answer is your life. When I look online and I see Carlos doing some interview, I'll be like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. When I see Jared, like, um, it's a thing, you know, he got going on a workshop and he's at work. He got his kids. He got, there are people out here grinding in 12 different directions mm-hmm. and, and stuff that they said, I want to one day. And today is the one day. Even like Brittany, she just held up some keys. I think the other day she got a yeah. new office. Mm-hmm. She had been talking about that in October. I, I'm, I'm clapping because I'm like, yes, because so many people try to hold you back. And your faith, I believe, is the the thing that continues to catapult you when nobody believes in you. God's like, okay, you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in, me, in you. And that the, that's four. <laughs> so if, if me and God band together, I don't have to have a whole bunch of people. Because sometimes obedience is the goal. I've had events and nobody showed up. And I'm talking about I marketed, I did all the things and this was in the beginning. And God showed me, I just wanna see if you're gonna be faithful. You're mm-hmm. gonna be faithful or you wanna be popular? Because I don't need you don't need popularity. You need to learn how to be faithful over a few things and God'll make you rule over much. Mm-hmm. That happens in business too. In this social media world where we need a million followers. I don't. I just need five good people to call me and say, "Hey, I want to publish my book." You might have to go through those five thousand, but obedience and faith—they run together because sometimes I don't want to believe God. I just want to go get do my answer. I got mm-hmm. ten. I'm, this is my answer, and God be like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, none of those. Just wait on me." So Absolutely. yes, it, it plays a huge part.
0: And and I think it's is a part of is you know understanding of what you're doing is is big. And you like I said, we if we would love to have the answers right away. <laughs> But it's like right. you have to go through these things and understanding that you know, like you saying, being the first first publisher in the Upstate, that that's a big deal. And
1: absolutely, and what
0: you're doing is you know opening up doors for other people to come behind you yes. that wants to do the same thing.
1: Please come behind it's, me, because I'm,
0: cause, and I think about what I'm doing now. It's it's a lot, um, but I'm thankful for what I'm doing. But it's like everything that I'm going through. It's like it's it's been a tough journey. But it's like you know what is it's bigger than me. Like I right. wanna be able to open up other doors and help people behind me and elevate them with everything I'm doing. It's a it's a big responsibility. Um but like I said, it's I'm thankful that I'm right. in this position. And um like I said, it's, it's days where I just wanna like you know what I'm done. But just like gotta tell yourself like the things that you're doing is for a higher purpose mm-hmm. and, and you know, God wouldn't put all this on you if you right. couldn't handle it. Right. So I'm I'm always thankful and I that's my my biggest goal is to, with, with everything from, from the Hornets to the podcast to the books, everything that I have my eyes on and that I'm that I'm working on, it's like, I understand that I want to be able to elevate other people right. and, and bring them up with everything right. that I'm doing as well.
1: Absolutely. And you've done that. You have done just that.
0: It's a lot of work. It is. Like, I, <laughs> I tell people, like, it's it's not easy, and, and the sacrifices that you have to make, you know, um, man, I, like I said, I talk about being all the time, man, because I and I, I owe them a lot. And one of the things that he told me with, with everything that is that's on my plate right now, he used to, he always told me even during our first interview, he said, "You can't be normal and great at the same time." That is so true. You you can't just you know live a traditional life and think you're gonna be all this, and then like have this perfect, and then your business is perfect. Like it's gonna come with things that you're gonna have. Yes. Like sometimes it's gonna be things that you that you want to do, but it's gonna be things that you need to do. Right. And uh, sometimes you have to put some of those things on the back burner. Right. He said you, you can't be normal and great at the same time. Absolutely. And, it's, and the more that I'm that I'm on my journey, like I see it like clearly. It's like yep. man, I, you know, I've I i will be honest. You know, it's it's been times where, you know, with you know covering the Hornets games or, or traveling, shooting interviews. Where my son had a couple of football games that I I had to miss because I'm on the oh, road, on the yep. road traveling. My daughter she had a play. Um, a couple months ago that I I had to miss that just because of everything that I'm mm-hmm. doing. But I just want to lay this foundation for them and for other people. Right. Like, this blueprint of like whatever it is that you want out of life um, that you can do it. But But honestly, and like you said, it's going to be some things that you have to, you know, you, you have to give up to get where you want to go in Ab- life.
1: Absolutely. Every time.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you say was one of the uh, things that you had to give up? Like as a, as a, I hate saying it, I don't really like saying sacrifice, but, you know, because, you know, That's some people just get those conspiracies and all right. this. <laughs> you, people, you you gave up, spare somebody's life to get this no, and that. No, we don't like,
1: Yeah. No, it's a sacrifice. To me, yeah. I, I understand the sacrifice to mm-hmm. see what was my greatest sacrifice.
0: Mm-hmm. Or oh, one of them that you feel like you had to, you know, as an entrepreneur. I
1: think it, it goes along with you. The the relationships not sacrificing the relationship but the time that 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 those Mm -hmm. people wanted to spend whether it was a family gathering because i gotta go do an event either on my own or something that i'm already committed to my child same you know um, because the book came out when she was like 13 13 or 14 so she's 22 now but Mm -hmm. there were times that she had a, a play or a singing, you know, something for chorus and I couldn't come. Um, or, you know, just even time with yourself. Like, sometimes we don't want a people all day. Wow. <laughs> I want to mm. sit in my room and watch TV with a brandy sitting up in my room. I want to do just that. And the world is calling because my calling is calling. And I have to answer because... Again, obedience is better than sacrifice. And God will say, this is your rest time. This is your work time. And it's time to work. And sometimes it's time to rest. And the hardest thing is determining the difference between the two. Is this a time that I should say no? Is this not a time I should say no? Where does the sacrifice belong? And then some people want me to do more work than I should be doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the hardest thing is to say either no Or send me more money. Now, that comes easier in time. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, people will really try to pull on me for answers about stuff. And I give it to them. And over time, and again, didn't mind. I don't mind. I don't want y'all to think I mind. I didn't. I wanted to. But what was happening is if I spent an extra two hours answering your questions, I'm taking two hours away from either editing, um, branding, Mm -hmm. doing something for somebody's stuff, and At the end of the night, I was exhausted. And so the sacrifice ended up being me. And at the end of the pandemic, or excuse me, the end of the first year of the pandemic, I was so worn out. I took on every book that I was sent. Mm. I think I remember telling you, like, I just took on, like, double the amount. But it taught me how to navigate, like, like, big projects and stuff. So I think the biggest sacrifice was me. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I know people say I'm not for the hustler mentality because I think the word, like you talked about, sacrifice kind of has a bad connotation. I think hustler sometimes has a bad connotation mm-hmm. to me because if I have to hustle something from you, it means I stole it <laughs> um, or I manipulated you. But I do believe in powerful work ethic. And I'm up from sun up to sundown sometimes trying to make these dreams happen. So the other sacrifice is delegation. Because I don't know who I can trust, but I got to find somebody I can trust because I can't do all this work by myself. So that's my my first sacrifice is going to be that you sacrifice time, whether it's yourself, time with yourself, self-care, you know, other people, time with other people and sacrificing that you know everything and learning to delegate. Mm -hmm.
0: I got a few more questions and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Oh,
1: it's um, so fast. <laughs> the time
0: is really flying. Um, I asked Brittany this during our conversation, you know, and like I said, at, during the success of my pre-conference, everybody had to take turns, you know. Mm-hmm. We had a, a, a time limit up there, so now that you have four to yourself, like I gave Miss Brittany, um, I love asking entrepreneurs just like you know balancing work and running your own business. You know, it's a it's a tough task. So, when do you know it's, when it's time to jump?
1: To jump to a different career?
0: hmm Or just take that leap or of faith, take or take a leap whatever of faith you, to do mm-hmm. something
1: else. I think the the main thing when I know it's time to jump is when all the doors start closing, which is where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want God to push me off the ledge. But there's two things that I believe: if what you were doing, first of all, becomes monotonous might be the best word boring you just like doing it over you have no joy anymore Mm -hmm. you may want to find either something to add to it not necessarily take a full leap but maybe add a new product add a new service add something of value that you actually love like I'm adding branding to my company Um, I'm not going to edit anymore I'm passing that that delegation mm-hmm. i'm passing that so that i can now help people f- learn how to sell their book because that's the the problem the bigger problem the publishing is easy to me i've done it forever so i know how to do mm-hmm. this put on the back of my hand but the making money part so i'm not necessarily taking a jump to something different but i am taking a leap of faith to create a whole different section of my company and i learned that by getting it began growing i began getting frustrated my, my passion for it was no longer there i was closing my computer faster mm-hmm. than ever before it's like okay I, i'm done i'm gonna go i was i was heavily avoiding it so i think that's one thing and if you're in corporate america and you're and you're running a business, how do you know when to jump from one to the other and leave the other behind? So mm-hmm. jumping from corporate America to full time entrepreneurship. That's a little bit of more of a touchy subject. Because you have a lot of dynamics. So if you have children, spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so having said all that, once you consider your, your spouse, do not jump without talking to your <laughs> spouse. But once you consider all the outcomes, always consider the outcome. That's not worry. That's smart. Okay. If I quit today, can I help feed my family for the next three or four months? And if you need to create a plan, and I think I said this on the panel. Create a plan to jump a year from now. You don't have to jump in anxiety. Jumping is going to be anxious enough by itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but oh, yeah. if you jump with a plan, p- they jump out of airplanes with a parachute. That's a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. jump with a parachute. That means that, okay, a year from now, I'll have $10,000 in the bank because I have this savings plan set up. Now, God forbid something throw you off of the plan, but guess what you do if something throws you off the plan. You plan again. Yeah. And so... Uh, what is it called? Rework. (laughs) So you rework the plan. But a year from now, I'll jump if the plan is executed the way it's supposed to be. And that's your parachute. And then you just go from there. So um, that's how I know when it's time to go is when doors start closing and you've been knocking on these doors or you've been in the room and all of a sudden they're like, hey, (laughs) your time here has ended that could be time to start building your parachute. Mm-hmm. If your job functions end or if they say, you know, hey, here's a promotion, that's that's the door for you. So we have to be really keen. Our senses are here for a reason. Look look for signs, listen for signs, and then start knocking on new doors. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always subject to at least knock on the door. Maybe you'll get it and maybe you won't. But I recently had a position where... I didn't. I I qualified for the job, but I didn't even know I qualified for the job. They called me. I qualified. I I applied for one job, but they called me because I qualified for another one, and that mm-hmm. one paid more money. <laughs> and so, uh, faith. We thought about this. Faith is is you doing the thing that scares you the most. Do it mm-hmm. anyway. Um, it won't kill you. And I'm not. We're not talking about a real jump, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. I think emotional jumps feel like they're going to kill us just as much. But take the leap because what are you going to do? People think they, they look at me and like, Brandy, you've done so much in so little time. Because once I realize this ain't going to kill me, I might, my feelings might be hurt. I might lose some money. Definitely going to lose some sleep. But I will not turn around and say, what if I would have tried? There is nothing that I wanted to try that I have not tried Mm yet when it comes to business. I, in life, like traveling and stuff like that, there's a lot of stuff that I want to do. But now I'm to the place where financially I can. My time is free and stuff like that. But I cannot turn around in my 40s and 50s and go, you know what? I should have got out my bed and -hmm. started that publishing company. I should have wrote those books like God. So I should have started that company. And you could think you have the smallest idea. But every time I go to a store, I see something so small that costs so much. But, you know, a pencil. Somebody thought a pencil was a good idea. Somebody had an idea, yeah. And because of that, number two pencils are the only thing used on on standardized tests. But pencil, the lead in the pencil. So whatever your idea is, it's your idea. And remember, we talked about it at the beginning. God will give it to somebody else if you don't move on it. So jumping might be the best thing you can do.
0: Absolutely, and this that was this was kind of tied. Jumping was kind of tied into my my next question as well is, um, for people who want to be an entrepreneur, or just go after their dreams in general in life. Like, what would you say would be like your main advice to them? You know, beside you know, kind of tying into jumping. Like, what advice would you have for them to you know go after whatever their dreams are in life?
1: my main advice would be to ask yourself why won't you do it and then go answer those questions because maybe it's not a fear thing. Maybe it's an education thing. Maybe I need more education and that's Mm -hmm. why I can't do it. That's why I haven't done it. Then get, get find the answers to why it's stopping you and then determine that you can't be stopped and then give yourself enough grace period to become, I think a lot of us, and especially in the social media world, somebody watching this is going to go, I'm going to be just like Carlos. They're going to get their microphones. They're going to get their computer. They're going to get them some some people. And then they're going to set up their stuff, and it's all going to crash. And they're going to be like, oh, my God, why did my stuff crash? And then they're going to crash because what you don't understand is the behind the scene. He had to set up all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. He had to drive here. You know, we got to... There's a lot that a goes process. into the building and the process. So you have to... When did you start? So we... Five, seven years was ago? 2018's
0: when I shot my first one. By, well, officially started by myself yeah. 2018. But I recorded some in 2016, I thought so. I was going to say, you did yeah, it before
1: the book. Yeah. I remember you saying you got out there. And it was kind of like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> let me I go. didn't like how I yeah. sounded
0: or anything. I sat in my dad's storage building and I just yep. recorded myself.
1: Give yourself... Mm-hmm. Time To grow And that's not Going to be popular If you feel like You're going to be The most amazing Version of yourself The day you start Don't even start Because that's Mm -hmm. Growth is part Of your journey And so But start where you are Um, If you notice We're in my living room We're not in a big Uh, office space or it didn't have it doesn't have to be fancy now i was trying to be fancy carlos was like this is going to be fine (laughs) because at the end of the day it's about what we have to say not what we look like or the 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 whole ambiance of social media is that everything has to be perfect it doesn't have to be perfect It just needs to be done because Mm -hmm. sometimes perfect is better than done unless it's a hotel bed and then it definitely needs to be perfect. (laughs) But I used to tell people that if it's a hotel bed that you make make sure it's perfect. But sometimes done is better than perfect because once you get over that, once I published my first book. So I published my own book and I didn't start a publishing company. I published my book. I closed it and I went on with my life and my inbox was blowing up oh my gosh, I've been wanting to write a book. What did you do? How did you do it? I did one workshop three months after I did my book. I don't even know. I didn't know how to do a workshop. I was just like, well, I can get some people. <laughs> I started where I was. I asked my pastor if I could use the sanctuary and I planned like a four hour event just based off of what events I had gone to. I just started where I was. And then at the end of the event, you know what they said? Well, why can't you do it for us? I just gave y'all four hours <laughs> of information. <laughs> but what I understood was that people some people have time, some people have money, and some people don't have the time to sit and figure all this stuff out. They just want to give you the money and come back and get it. Mm-hmm. And so I created my company. It's called On the Right Track, which we've talked about a lot today. Like My life was never on the right track. And so On the Right Tracks is symbolic of getting started. You're starting at the starting line and actually crossing over the finish line for publishing and life. And so about that January, February, I found that you have to have three books published under your name before you can be considered a publisher. So Mm -hmm. I went and wrote Two more books <laughs> just to be able to qualify mm. to be considered a actual publisher. Because I didn't want nobody coming to me talking about, oh, you're not no real publisher. Because nah, you yeah. only have one book. Because you know how people do. Because if, if what I say mm. earlier, I'm exceptional and I'm excellent. And if that's the word I'm going to use, that I have to be that. And excellent doesn't mean perfect. It means that I did it to the best of my ability. Or I called in the troops. So mm-hmm. that hopefully answers your question.
0: As- oh, yeah, absolutely. That was perfect. Um speaking of books, you know, I got a few more questions. I know I said so, we were going to Um I, I I actually we spoke about this yesterday um during the uh Read While You Wait initiative, you know. And, you know, I love reading books. Um it definitely changed my life. I tell people even after graduating college, I've read more books post college yes. than I did my entire time while I was in college. Yeah. Um so what are some books that you've read um, that helped transform your life?
1: Oh, so, of course, I told you, The Body Keeps the Score, Emotional Intelligence, mm-hmm. um, Eat the Frog First.
0: By Brian Tracy? Yes. Yeah, I, I love it. Eat the books. Frog yeah.
1: First, and, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. If you hadn't asked me, I would have <laughs> yes. been able to tell you, but basically... Um, any book that self-help it's called no limits I know it was no it's, it was on my book yeah, it's called no Limits. Okay. and any I love books that are life changing and life transforming mm-hmm. and i'm a, i'm because I'm editing I don't have time to edit and read so I listen to audiobooks. Audiobooks have changed my life. I've been
0: trying audiobooks but for me it's it's hard. It's like my mind just starts going oh, everywhere. Yeah. It else. will.
1: Oh, and becoming by Michelle Obama.
0: My books I, I was when I told I gave a couple of them yesterday, I said The Magic of Thinking Big. Yes. That was a great book. Um and then one of my top three books was probably Will. Will Smith's oh, I book I have read that yeah. it's, it's one of the The best books I've I ever read It just you know Just him that. Sharing his story Of you know The things that he feared You mm-hmm. know Watching his mom Get beat by his father And he, you know He You know he, he used laughter To you know Overcome it. So mm-hmm. He felt like Him making other people laugh You know Kind of like yeah. Helped them forget About their problems and, yeah. and just some A lot of the things That he went through And you know Just about He speaks about You know Going after your dreams And it's, it's a powerful book. So Will was definitely another one of those books. And and the monk who sold his Ferrari was a powerful book the as well. The monk
1: who sold his Ferrari. It's I amazing. have to get that.
0: Yes, it's a it's it's basically it's about a it's a lawyer who um he was one of the a big name lawyer. He worked so hard on his craft, like he would win just about every single case. And then one day, you know, his um, his assistant noticed that he was like his hair. T- turned white and he just, you know, looking fat and out of shape and he started having a lot of health issues and then Mm. he just had a a near-death experience. The lawyer did because he worked so hard and all he was was just all about his work. So he stepped back from being a lawyer and he became a monk. And what they did was just taught him about, you know, finding his purpose in life. Mm. And it's just a, it's a powerful book. Sounds like it. It is. It's amazing. Yeah. I, um, one of the guys that I interviewed, Shannon McCollum, he actually posted it online one day. Um, this was a couple of years ago. So I was, once I saw it online, I was like, man, let me go ahead and check this book out. And I did like a little sample of it, like on the uh, e-book. And I, I loved it. So I went ahead and bought it. But yeah, the monk who sold his Ferrari was... Oh,
1: and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People.
0: Oh, I've heard yes. about that one as well. Seven, mm-hmm.
1: that, that literally catapulted me into leadership development for myself. And then years later, I was i'm now a leadership development consultant and i travel and teach leadership so um that that book really changed my life
0: absolutely so those are some books for people if you need anything to read um i always say pick up in a book especially yes. but it's a lot of times about like what you read and put in your spirit yes. as well like i always tell people, man be mindful of what you read as well right. just like you you're mindful of what you have to tell yourself be mindful yes. of what you read and put mm-hmm. in your spirit um, my final two questions, <clears throat> we're speaking about books. You're doing the Upstate Black Authors Book Fair yes. next month. Can we please go ahead and plug that in? Yes, yeah,
1: so <clears throat> we are celebrating Black Authors of Upstate South Carolina. And if you want us to come to your city, let me know. But it was really, my aunt is an author, and she's written nine books. At the time, I had written mine. I think she had written about six. And so I've always looked up to her as an author, as a um, as an inspiration, but she reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you want to do a book fair, Black Book Fair?" And I thought that was an excellent idea, and we have really had a lot of people uh, respond. And so basically, it's going to be on February the 25th from two to five at Needmore Center in Greer, South Carolina. And authors, their your table is twenty dollars, and for readers, the event is. Absolutely free. Um, stay tuned. Stay, keep connected to Carlos's page in case mm-hmm. the lo- location changes because we are up to 50 people um, as far as readers coming through. And I think we have 15 authors already and it's only been out for one week. Mm-hmm. So if we double that, I've already s- suggested to my aunt that we move the location mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere down the street because we want to make sure that we have enough room, first of all, for... The people coming in, the tables and all of that, because when we, we talked about it, we're like, oh, you know, this will be fine um, for a book fair. But the more people, like, keep registering, I'm thinking, I thought 15 was going to be, like, probably the, maybe it's, it's the mm-hmm. end of Black History Month, um, but I just thought 15, 20... But we're already almost to 15, and it's been up for a week. And
0: that's a beautiful thing to see people, you know, picking yeah. up books and reading it, and, and supporting the authors who are, you know, sharing their stories.
1: Absolutely. Like,
0: when you sent it to me, I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Then I checked the schedule, like, man, I'm going to be in Charlotte <laughs> covering Famous. the game. But I said, man, you know what? I'm going to do my best to, even if I can, <clears throat> excuse me, stay for at least an hour just to show my face or something. I still want to be there, so right. I'm going to do
1: my very best to make sure. Well, you sure. send somebody to your table. You send somebody, and we'll put books on the table. We'll at least, okay. at least have, let you have representatives Because he was the first person to register, yeah. even though he knew he may or may not be able to stay the whole time. But that support. And oh, yeah. there's a, not a lot of black events going on in the upstate of South Carolina mm-hmm. for authors, period. Um, there's a lot of events going on for authors. For authors but they're not highlighting our books
0: absolutely and we need to su- show that support absolutely and support one another so it was i was like man when we as so, soon as you sent it to me i checked my schedule i was like that's yep. the first thing i'm gonna do and i was like you know what, even if i can't make it i just want to support and get a table regardless so i'm gonna do my best to make sure i'm there. Yeah. at least even if it's for an hour or something or have somebody represent me
1: Absolutely. Um, doing
0: the best I can. But my, my final question that I love to ask everybody, you know, as part of the, self, the Crossline Podcast, even when I'm on the road for the self-investment tour, the last thing I like to ask everyone is, what does self-investment mean to you?
1: Ooh, You know, self-investment to me means something that I'm doing now for myself, for my business For a later outcome, just like we invest into the stock market and things like that. I -hmm. checked one of my investments made $0.12. And I was like, this is nothing. This is small. But if you take that $0.12 and you times it by 365 days, times a bunch of years, (laughs) you know, it becomes bigger over time. Mm -hmm. And so self-investment to me is that it's doing something that can be very small, very minute, that will create a bigger outcome at a later date absolutely and
0: that made me think about another book as well atomic habits yes that's, that's made, the one i couldn't remember yeah, yes atomic that, a- that is a good book it really is a really great book so when you said that about you know those you know building things over time atomic habits just popped in my yes an, that's a, a, that's
1: probably where i got it from <laughs>
0: great it's a great read
1: because <laughs> what you read you repeat absolutely so, yes small habits over time and not really getting mad because you're not getting anything because you're not even expecting it to be big for mm-hmm. years down the line
0: absolutely but well, brandy i want to thank you for your time this was a great thank conversation Man, yes, i it really was. appreciate it. i'm glad we made it happen today like yes, i said because you too. know with so much going on with our schedules um this really meant a lot to finally have sit down and have a conversation you know for me This is actually my first time hearing more about your story as well. Um, So, I really appreciate it. Thank you for helping me publish my book. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. And you're going to continue to do for many authors and entrepreneurs out here. You're so welcome. Yes, ma'am. So, before we get out of here, can you please tell everyone how to find you on social media?
1: Absolutely. I am author Brandy Hunt on all social media platforms except TikTok, where you have to be an expert. I'm Dr. Brandy Hunt. (laughs) So, um. Author Brandy Hunt, Instagram, Facebook, Dr. Brandy Hunt on TikTok. And if you want to find out about getting your book published, you can email me at publish, P-U-B-L-I-S-H, the letter U, 00, zero at gmail.com.
0: Absolutely. So thank you again, Brandy. And hopefully everybody that watched this episode of the Cross the Line podcast, you learned something, you took away a lot of things from it. If, hopefully you will publish a book. If you need a book published, here she is. She will help you get the job done. She helped me. She's very professional and very helpful and will walk you through it. Um, But hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of Cross the Line Podcast. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.